Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. I am your host tonight, Gavin Tolometti, and behind me will be Connor, who is producing. Now, tonight we have a special episode where we're going to be looking into what is life like for an earth science student after graduation. So I am here with Meredith Fife and Hannah... Sorry, I always get your last name. Just Jack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, how are you guys doing tonight? Oh, pretty good. I'm pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Meredith, you're a grad student of mm-hmm. science that we cross paths all the time in the department, and Hannah, you're an undergraduate yep. there. So, so, what do you guys do? You guys have what research or projects do you guys work on so far? Um. So, I'm doing my masters, and my research specifically is on seismic hazards and sort of how emergency managers and planners and engineers would use certain shaking information to decide how to build buildings, how to develop cities, and how to manage um, the effects of earthquakes. So I find that pretty interesting because it brings together traditional earth science and geophysics with sort of a communications aspect. Okay, and it also has quite a big um, practical approach as well. Oh, definitely. You definitely help with, like, I'm guessing people are trying to well, build new buildings. Yeah. <laughs> build new buildings or yeah. especially for like building new pipelines as well in certain locations. Completely. Yeah. Everything about infrastructure and buildings and there's so many opportunities to be in contact with stakeholders at all times. And that's mostly what my role is on my research team. And I do enjoy that aspect a lot. Oh, cool. So Hannah, what about you? So I'm a fifth year undergrad student and I decided to do an honors thesis that focuses on soft rock geology. So I'm mapping Paleo Valley Valley systems, which are essentially uh, ancient river valley systems that have been preserved in the rock record. And the whole point of this project is to prove what the driving mechanism of valley incision is. So um, this could either be done or be caused by uh, sea level fall or by climate change. So an increase in precipitation, uh, like on a Milankovitch cycle scale. So I'm essentially just subsurface mapping these valleys uh, by looking at well logs, which um, to me is really fun, and I do that at my job as well. And I decided to do this because I get to do it with my favorite supervisor and professor, uh, Guy Plint, and um, I thought it would maybe help me in the future because it has to do with paleo-environmental reconstruction. So that's my research. Okay, so you're really big on looking at past yeah. Almost like past climates and envi- past environments, as you said, paleo environments. Yeah. Seeing what was the past like for you. For yeah. You. yeah. With soft rock geology, like, I know that means you're looking at mainly sediments and not completely, as I would say, lithified, which just means they've been turned into solid rock. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 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 That's what really drew me into that. So. But I mean, that draws parallels with what we do too, yeah. right? Yeah. So when we're trying to figure out how the ground's going to shake, we're looking at borehole logs. Mm-hmm. We're looking at other sorts of uh, geotechnical information and seeing what these sediments are up to, you know? Yeah. So though different projects, there's there's some overlap there, right? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, Merit, for this, uh, I guess let's do to kickstart this, this type of conversation, like what was it that after you finished undergrad, what, what made you want to pursue a master's afterwards? So to be Fairly blunt, I think something that's understood in the earth science realm is that to pursue um, a technical career, you do actually typically need additional education uh, in our field. Like you know, you can get a you can 
usually get a pretty good job after your undergrad, especially if you've been well connected um, through jobs, um, you know, in the summers and all that. And that definitely happens for a lot of people. But, you know, sometimes the jobs can be a little bit limited. Um, and I just found that I thought the best route for me was going to be doing a little bit more of a specialized uh, master's later on. Now I took two years off, so I went and I traveled for a couple years to kind of figure out what I really liked. I always knew I liked natural hazards and earthquakes are pretty exciting. They happen in cool places in the world. Um, so it, it took me taking a bit of time off to collect myself, look and see what um, what professors are doing in Canada, what kind of research and where they're doing it um, to kind of figure out that, yes, I, I do want to pursue additional education. So what made you choose Western's Earth Sciences Master's Program? So it was specifically my uh, my supervisor, Sherry Molnar, Dr. Sherry Molnar. So that's one thing that I guess when you're doing your undergrad, you don't have to worry about so much, like specifically what research is happening at a school and what particular um, supervisors or I guess professors, uh, researchers are doing at that school. So because I knew that I wanted to study earthquake hazards and I knew that I wanted to look at that hazard prior to the earthquake, so I guess if you think about hazards, any sort of natural event, there's a pre-event and there's a post-event. So there's a lot of um, potential programs in Canada that look at you know, hazard mitigation and management after the fact, but I knew I wanted to study the science beforehand. So then I went, where can I do that? Who does it? So it took me going through every earth science department in Canada and a lot in the states and internationally looking at each professor and seeing what they study and I went oh this Sherry girl she seems pretty cool okay (laughs) I like that she's a young woman I feel like I can relate to that and hey I like what she's doing um so that that was why I chose western um it could have been anywhere in Canada but it was because of the research that's awesome and you never and when you were looking you said you looked saw some looked at some places in the states and international did you never have the thought of maybe going international or was it did you find it a bit intimidating having to think about the whole transition I wouldn't say it was intimidating um like I said I spent a couple years traveling in between and I've traveled most of my life I love the idea about going international I was really excited by that I think what held me back from that was a cost aspect So I found some really good programs um, in Denmark and then the UK, which actually would have been fantastic, though they were more of a one or two year more course based, um, but still would have been quite cool. Um, What wasn't cool was the $40,000 tuition cost. Um, Didn't love that. The States as well, um, I got to say I didn't look maybe as much as I could have. But I do truly believe I am right where I should be. um, And I'm really happy with with exactly what I I chose. It's, it's exciting. It's a cool time to to try to figure out where you want to go and what you want to do. So when you applied um, to Western, what was the application process like? So it was actually uh, not too challenging. So I guess applications are typically due at the end of January every year. So the way I went about it, um, to be honest, I came to Western, what, for Halloween? Because I had a friend here doing her master's and I came to celebrate and I knew Sherry was about, and I thought, I'm just going to walk into the earth science department and see if she's in her office. So I went by, we had maybe a 45 minute chat. And within that time, we sort of determined that I should do a master's with her. And she said, okay, so apply, um, <laughs> send me your resume and your, um, 
your grades, I guess, for my undergrad, just so she could make sure I wasn't just making up my experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and she sent me a bit more information about um, where to go to apply, um, which is pretty easy to find on the Western website, and then also how to apply for scholarships. So she did recommend that I apply to OGS. I'd already missed the NSERC deadline, but that was fine. Um, but the, the process is, is fairly simple. You just follow the steps through Western's um, application portal, I suppose. You have to prepare sort of a one-page statement of your interest, uh, res or research interest. Um, so in talking with Sherry, I kind of knew what I might be doing. But she also said, honestly, if, you're, if your grades are pretty much there and you have a supervisor that's really interested in having you, it would be hard for the um, school to not want yeah. to take you on. Um, but they do use that statement to make sure that, that it sounds like you're, you're motivated to do something and, and that the supervisor um, or prospective supervisor would like to have you. And then one of the other things that was really important is making sure that I had reference letters from professors from my undergrad. So luckily I was told in advance that that's something I had to to get to build these relationships with professors. I went to Guelph, so with some professors at Guelph. Um, but without their references, your application isn't complete. So to all undergrads out there who are looking to go into a master's, now is the time or already. You should already be trying to build the relationships with, with some uh, professors. So you definitely think meeting them, maybe even if you can before you, the application, is probably almost a way to increase your chances of getting in, especially if you're very passionate about a certain prof or project that they're offering. A hundred percent. As a master's student now, um, and other people in my group as well, we get emails from loads of students saying, hey, I want to work with you know Dr. Molnar. Um, can I? And we all kind of laugh because I have no control over that. You know, Sherry gets these emails as well as us. Um, but for any supervisor, kind of like a prospective graduate student, um, she doesn't know who you are, this person applying, and you applying to work with Sherry, you don't really know what, what she would be like, right, or any supervisor. So it's really important to make sure that um, you think you can get along. It's nice to chat ahead of time um, because I think something that would be challenging and has been challenging for some people, I guess. I don't, I, I haven't had that experience, luckily. Um, but it would, I think it would be challenging to have a bit of a, a weird relationship with your um, supervisor if you don't get along too well. So that initial meeting is really valuable. So how do you go about like asking for a letter of reference because I know you can like oh, email yeah. them or come in person but say if you're across the country like it's kind of hard to do that um what's the best route to take because that's something I've been trying to think about and it gets me nervous every time so. yeah so you have to be a little bit creative even though honestly at the end of the day they know what you're after um but I would say while I was still at school I would chat to them as much as possible just kind of go by their office, ask them what's going on. And when you've graduated and left, um, in your daily life, if you come across something you think a certain um, professor from your undergrad would find interesting, send them an email. So while I was traveling, I saw some really neat landforms. <laughs> and I sent them to uh, a professor at Guelph who I studied uh, geomorphology and, and other sort of classes with. And it was through that constant sort of well not constant like every maybe three months a little bit of communication that she she kept me in the back of her mind a little bit so when it came time for me to say hey oh by the way 
you know, saw some cool mountains. Oh, also, I'm trying to apply for Western. Any chance um, you're able to write me a reference letter? Typically, most of these professors have, have done it before, so they know how to how to write a letter. Um, but they'll, they'll want to know you, and they'll want um, probably an updated uh, CV and your grades again. But just try to keep that bit of um, personal connection with them. It's hard, but it's, it's valuable. Um, going back to what you're saying about uh, funding, mm-hmm. so I know that there's NSERC and then OGS and um, other applications you can apply for. Um, how competitive are those uh, grants? Do you know? I don't know how competitive they are. I actually can't speak to them. I can't apply to yeah. NSERC and OGS. It's eight international students out of the entire university, so right. <laughs> I've actually never attempted. I So I've been really fortunate. Um, I received OGS in my first year and OGS and NSERC this year, so I, I chose NSERC um, because it's higher value. Um, but I know that the way they select people is based on your grades and also a little bit about your statement mm-hmm. of um, of interest or your research. And I believe there's references as well, um, at least one reference, maybe a couple. Um, I would say grades is a big component of that because I guess because they're research scholarships, they want to give them to people who they foresee will produce hopefully valuable research and they base that off of your grades quite a bit. Um, So I don't know competitive wise, um, but I know every department or like the Department of Science or the Faculty of Science, pardon me, would have a certain number that they can give out. Okay. I think, uh, are there sometimes, um, because since those um, grants are based off of grades, Mm -hmm. would you say there are some grants out there that actually focus more on what type of research you're doing and what the outcome might be more about instead of how well did you do in certain classes? I think some are more research orientated than more academic orientated. Definitely. So I think there's um, a lot of private donation type scholarships. Um, So every year in the Earth Science Department, there's sort of a list of um, scholarships that graduate students can apply for. And some of those come from the Faculty of Science as well. And those ones are definitely based on your research a little bit more. Obviously, it's not like full funding like like an NSERC grant is, but you know it could be couple, like a thousand, two thousand dollars sometimes. I don't know, maybe more. Yeah, I, um, so, I mean, you either can use them for paying for research trips to a company or another institution, mm-hmm. going to a conference that is international. Those are usually what they're used for, yeah. or running some analysis you have to do. At other institutions are very expensive. I can't think of one to mind that costs a lot of money, but it could be handy mm-hmm. to get additional analysis or. You can explain, I need this grant or else I can't do this part of my research, mm-hmm. which is, and then you explain why. So they they care more about how well you can explain your research mm-hmm. and what type of outcome it is more and how well did you do in this course on, let's say, igneous petrology yeah. or, or I'm trying to think, <laughs> borehole logging yeah. kind of style. Yeah. And those ones are good too, because quite a few of them, I believe the department has a, more of a role in deciding who might get those scholarships mm-hmm. so they also try to be fair right so they they try to understand like they're not going to give one student like eight scholarships right they're gonna mm-hmm. s- they're gonna spread the love a little bit so those ones are those ones are nice too it's worth applying to everything um you get loads of e- we get loads of emails about grants and scholarships and things all the time so you just 
I always skim through them and if if they apply to me even if they only a, a little bit apply to me it's worth considering mm-hmm. doing it okay cool yeah. there's definitely no harm in trying because yeah. the worst comes to worst you don't get it but you get experience practicing yeah. mm-hmm. applying for all these grants whether it's from a thousand dollars up to yeah. fifteen thousand dollars way less daunting now than it used to be okay <laughs> <laughs> um so i have a big question um so I'm an undergrad student and I'm hitting that point where like, I don't know what I need to do with my life. Like, do I work or do I do grad school? Do I take a year and go to grad school? So do you think it's okay for an undergrad student to jump into a master's even if they're kind of unsure about whether they fully want to do it or not? Or is it more safe to take a year and think about the decision and then apply later on and work in the meantime? I would say in my opinion, Personally, take the time off. Take some time to figure out what you want to do. Go have some fun. (laughs) Work if you want. Um, It's good to have a break from those studies um, because you might find, and this isn't everybody, I just personally found, I think if I had gone straight from undergrad and do a master's not really knowing what I want to do, I probably would have wasted more time mm-hmm. um, and maybe not been as motivated or, or happy with what I was doing. But because I took that time, enjoyed myself. But while I was doing that, I had this in the back of my mind and I was you know, skimming through professors all over the world. I was able to find something that I was much more confident in and excited, excited to take part in, actually motivated to go back to school and do this research. That doesn't mean it was super easy coming back to school after I've been gallivanting around, but at least I knew that I was where I wanted to be. Um, So don't feel like you need to go back right away. If you want to, do it, absolutely. Um, And don't let your age be a problem. Don't let any of that, you'll find out like, I took two years off, so I guess I was 24 when I started my master's. I was worried I was gonna be old. That's (laughs) hilarious, absolutely not. Um, A huge range, so. Everybody's in different stages of their lives. Cool. Um, so then, what does your day-to-day look like? And how many hours per week are hmm. you dedicating to your hmm. master's project? Hmm. Sherry, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, I spend a lot of... I spend... Ooh, It totally depends on your deadlines. Um, there's going to be some semesters where you have more coursework. Uh, so for the Earth, di- Earth Science Department, you are required to take four courses minimum. Mm-hmm. So in undergrad, you take, what, five courses a semester? Yeah. So we're talking four courses over the entire length of your degree, which is sweet. That's pretty nice. Um, and they're different, so they might be demanding in terms of your assignments. They might not. So if you're taking a couple courses, you might be at school a little bit more or a little bit um, maybe more on the undergrad-type schedule, perhaps, um, you know, doing your coursework, taking a break, like weird hours. But I would say the typical grad student comes in maybe like, I don't know, 10, 11 a.m., leaves at like uh, 6. Like, it's it's up to you. It's your schedule. Um, and, and maybe if you have specific lab times or times you get on your microscope, that would change your, your timing that you're in school. Um, but if you're just doing stuff on your computer, I come in when I need to, and there's some weeks that I'm really busy, and I'll be here until midnight, 1, 2, 4 a.m., like we <laughs> talked about earlier. Sometimes I won't be. It's up to you. So are you stressed most of the time or is it just like it comes in waves? Waves. Waves, mm-hmm. yeah. It's definitely waves. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Like last week was pretty chill. This week, 
less chill <laughs> next week very not chill but that's okay how do you it'll get better how do you cope with that um and like how do you stay motivated during those weeks because i know like even as an undergrad student sometimes it's really hard yeah but i'm not doing like a huge thesis project so uh, um, <laughs> I would say I know a lot of people say this, that scheduling and setting small goals and it, it's actually a lot more effective than you realize yeah. even mm-hmm. as simple as I'm going to read these five papers and take notes yep check yeah I'm check go- the check mark big, yeah big I'm going to plot this data into these graphs check mm-hmm. like small I think taking little steps at a time and you'll realize after a week you've gotten a lot done instead of saying I'm going to write this entire manuscript no. in one week. No, if you get stumped, then you're like, well, what do I do? <laughs> and so yeah. I keep an agenda. So I write everything I got to do in that. And I like that because I can see my week laid out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And I make lists. Oh, I love lists. Because as soon as you check little things off, you feel better. Yeah. So you do more. The more you feel like you're, it's, it's a weird mind trick, but it's great. Because I have to say, I'm really not a very motivated person when it comes to personal research I'm really bad at structuring my time but this is how I do it if I write out what I have to do and check loads of things off a list I will do way more okay so I've got that down I do check good, too. good. <laughs> yeah continue that like, yeah. get up check yeah <laughs> Eat. there you go <laughs> um so then uh, I also want to ask what has changed the most about yourself from undergrad and grad school like over the years like mm. the main drastic thing I drink more water. Oh, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, I would say I've drank more water as well. (laughs) Um, I feel like maybe it's just a function of getting older as well, but I know when to take time to care for myself. So when you're in your undergrad, like every week you have your assignment due on, you know, Thursday at 2.30 p.m. And you you have to do that every week. (laughs) Your schedule changes so much as a graduate student that it's easier in a way to fit in time for yourself. And you need to do that. You really need to make that time. And it'll come to be a bit more normal to take your time in the morning and then take your time in the evening. And during the middle of the day, you might be doing your work. So it's a little bit more of the classic like nine to five schedule those are obviously aren't the hours but I think that's something that I've grasped pretty pretty well yeah I'd say because they you pretty much explained about time management I yeah. think was the the biggest one yeah and and knowing when it's worth going out with your friends on a Thursday night like <laughs> you know you've had one of those weeks and you want to socialize and taking that time knowing that you, you shouldn't take it all the time, but but knowing when it is valuable to do so, yeah. And even those evenings where you just want to do nothing, just don't do feel it. guilty. Yeah. Yeah. You want to say like, I don't want really want to go out. I'm just gonna eat some chocolate and watch Netflix. Yep, I will happily do that. Yeah. You want to leave at 3 p.m. because you just can't do anymore? Leave. That sounds pretty nice. Not yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So then, what would you say is your favorite part of grad school then? Favorite and least favorite. Mm. Okay. I like feeling like I'm part of the department. Like, it's kind of cool seeing what's going on behind the scenes and knowing, like, at this point, like, this is my job. And um, having a lot of control over my day-to-day in my job is pretty cool, and I I like that. I like that compared to an undergrad where you have your set courses. Yeah, I definitely – I like how I have control over my own – like research I mean you have your supervisors there but they're they're really mostly supposed to be there for guidance in case you get lost or you think you're going off track but I just Mm -hmm. love how it's the work I'm generating is 
what I want to do yeah. and the questions I'm wanting to answer are from me and the analysis I want to do, even if it's not agreed upon by some, it's I'm choosing to do it because I totally. think it might come to the answer. Yeah. It's awesome. really cool. Well, then, what's your least favorite yeah. then? Oh, um, oh I, I don't know. I think my, oh, maybe, maybe my least favorite part is actually my own fault is wasting time sometimes or, or, or not being as motivated as I should be. So it's, there's actually, it's not really a fault of grad school. It's just my own personal failing, but even then it's pretty good. I think for me is writing grant proposals. Oh, it's yeah. not, a, you think like, oh, I need this money, but oh, I got to write another application. You're like, do I want it that bad? <laughs> especially some that have the specific guidelines and you can't just copy and paste it from another one. That's, I think that's my least favorite. How long do those take? It really depends. Some just say, give us 500 words, a CV, and a reference, and we'll see what happens there. Others, I think o OGS and NSERC, it's like a whole process. Oh, yeah, but you can use your old application. Not perfectly, <laughs> but you can, you know, <laughs> tweak it a little bit. Once you've done it once, you know kind of so you how got, it works. You've got the template. You yeah, you've got the, a template, okay. yeah. You, you start to get used to that. If you had one really big piece of advice for undergrads who are of science undergrads who are listening right now, what you say is the number one thing that comes to your mind? Make sure you do something that you actually like to do. So take the time to figure out what it is. Don't rush into a master's or a PhD just because you feel like you have to, because you're not going to enjoy it and you're going to struggle. Um, be passionate about what you're researching because then it'll be easier. Well, maybe not easier, but more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So this all really made me realize that grad school is a lot more chill. Um, I'm probably going to take the year to think about it. So thanks for all the input. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, and uh, thank you both for coming on. Uh, I hope that Hannah, this is Merit has been able to open your eyes and hopefully open the eyes of other undergrads to see like what they really want to do, whether it's grad school or to take time off or even maybe even go into industry if the grad mm -hmm. school is not for them. So thank you both. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Gavin, and we've been speaking with Meredith and Hannah. And this episode was produced by Connor. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at gradcastradio. To listen to us, we are on the radio at CHRW 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have a great night. <laughs>